Well, this morning we are going to turn our attention to the very last Pauline letter that is in our text in Scripture as we continue our Love Letter from God series. I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. Philemon, it's a very short letter, and we're going to read all 24 verses. And so if you are physically able and of a mind to, I would ask that you please stand as we read together the book of Philemon, which is actually a letter that we will read, a personal letter We start actually with our key verse for the entire series, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Philemon says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me and even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear this message of God. Amen. You may be seated. 
It's a story of a church leader who was doing all the right things. It's the story of the worker who was not. And it is the story of the pastor asking the church leader to do the right thing again, even though it was harder than ever. Even though the right thing meant giving up his rights, even though the right thing looked a whole lot like a one-sided deal. But something had changed. The worker had come to Christ. The worker had become, in the pastor's care, a brother in love. The worker had shifted from the one who stole and cheated and lied to the one who was forgiven by the one who had saved us all. This letter of Paul's could have been written in any time and in any place. It has all the elements, in fact, of a good movie. The bad guy with the change of hearts and the good guy who has the opportunity to make it right and the one who brings everyone together because of the one who brings everyone together. The only problem with this story is that we don't know the ending. In fact, except for kind of a vague statement of wrong, we don't even know the beginning. The beauty of this story which is included by way of a letter from one leader to another, is that we don't have to know all the details in order to understand what is happening. Because we can all find ourselves in this story in one place or another at one time or another. This letter that Paul writes to Philemon is one that has stayed in the canon despite its short length, despite its incomplete story, and despite its, its really very personal nature, because it resonates, or at least it should resonate, with all Christ followers anywhere, everywhere. It is the story of forgiveness and redemption that all of us know. We are the, either the ones who must give forgiveness or the ones who must ask for it or the ones encouraging someone else to live into it. But all in all, this is the story of Christ's love writ in real circumstances. In Philemon and Onesimus' story, Onesimus is the sinner. He has at the least run away, and potentially he has stolen from his master. Philemon is the wronged master. The Roman Empire had lots of people who often sold themselves into slavery to pay debts. It was a little different than being captured and becoming a slave the way that we have historically known it in our history. In this case, in the Roman Empire, slavery was generally temporary. Slaves had the opportunity to earn their freedom. But slaves who broke their agreement were despised by other slaves and by the people who would be in power because they were doubly in error. They had broken their word and they had defaulted on a debt. And because of this, Philemon has rights in the Roman Empire that include the option of condemning Onesimus to death. Jesus. Paul tells Philemon that even though he could exercise his rights 
And Paul is not commanding him to do otherwise. Onesimus has not only had a change of heart, he has become Philemon's brother in the kingdom, serving Paul as though he were Philemon himself. And that should mean something, Paul says. In fact, the kingdom that we are part of, God's kingdom through Christ, makes us behave differently. If it doesn't, why bother? But we waive rights that we would have insisted on before. We challenge the status quo that insists that each of us is better than the rest of us. We defy logic. We love the ones who have hurt us. We give to those who might have taken advantage of us, who might still take advantage of us. We surrender our rights to the love and favor of the God who runs the kingdom we live in. We are always only looking for God to say, well done at the end of our living, instead of living for the accolades of those around us. We don't care what others think. We care only that God has said, love your neighbors, pray for your enemies, and live as though the designation of last place is as precious if not more so than the designation of winner. We we don't know what Philemon did when his runaway slave came back to him. But we do know that if Philemon was a true follower of Jesus, then the right thing, although it was the harder thing, was the thing he did. This week, someone told me that Christians too often are the ones who throw stones, who spend their time condemning others and hurting them instead of standing up for those who are finding their way or being dismissed or being detained or being victimized. And my answer to that is that true Christ followers find their place catching the stones that others throw and dropping them in order to love both sides. Both those who can't see past their righteous indignation to throw them, and those who can't run away when they are lobbed. It isn't comfortable to stand in between those spaces. It isn't easy. It isn't even fun. But the Jesus who dressed in human flesh, even though he is God, says that this is the way of the cross. We don't get to throw stones, even at those we disagree with. We don't get to adamantly insist our rights being acknowledged or fulfilled, even when we are right and the other one is wrong, because Jesus calls us to do something more, to do something better, to a hope in a life we're giving of ourselves, Giving all we are offers the return of abundant grace that makes our surrender a a precious receipt of the beauty of God's favor. God's blessing is God's presence. And we forfeit that blessing when we insist on making ourselves first and foremost in any situation. Loving others is It's hard work. It requires effort to be kind. 
But Paul gives this introductory statement about who Philemon is at the very beginning of the letter, where he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Based on this, it seems reasonable to assume that although Onesimus deserved something else, Philemon, in love, welcomed his former slave as a brother in love. And we might all be Philemon. There may be moments when we are. But we all have been Onesimus. We all have been in the position of asking for grace where we deserve something else. That is, in fact, the very definition of the gospel. God gives us grace and mercy when we deserved death and punishment. God offers us relationship where we were once rebellious. God says, please come to me, even when we run away. In fact, God started the redemption story by coming after us, by offering ways to get back in relationship and building a plan whereby God himself would come to us, would pursue us, so that we might see the truth of God's love in the beauty of a babe in a manger the harshness of a savior on a cross, and the glory of an empty tomb that promises a resurrection that defies the damages we do to each other. God asks us to love God more than we love ourselves because God loves us and gave himself up for us and because in the place where we live into God's kingdom, That's the place where we can receive God's blessing in our lives. How could we possibly imagine saying no to that? I don't think Philemon did. I hope that each of us refused to as well. If you're sitting here today and maybe you've been coming to church all your life or you've been coming to church for a long time, but you still aren't necessarily a Christ follower, or if you aren't sure if your life of Christ following looks the way Philemon's did, I ask you to remember God's love for you as we move into our time of response and reflection. It is at the table of Christ, what we call communion, that we find our way home. It is through communion that grace is given and the redemption makes its way from our heads to our hearts. It is my prayer that everyone who hears my voice today, including myself, will know that Jesus lives and that Jesus loves and that you are welcome no matter who you are or what you have done. So as we have been doing every week in this series, I remind you one more time what it means to say God loves. I'd ask you to follow along on your blue sheet. 
And where it is bolded, I'd ask you to answer. What does it mean to say God loves? loves To create us, to form us from the dust. To let us fail. To let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, runaway slaves, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. Who want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment of all. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week, most tangibly, As we gather at this table, the son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. Beloved, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.